0: It was the evening of October 30, 1938. The audience was listening to the radio. It was the heyday of radio. And the audience was told they'd be treated to the music of Ramon Raquello and his orchestra. But just minutes into that music, the intercontinental radio news interrupted to deliver an important announcement. Astronomers had just detected enormous blue flames shooting up from the surface of Mars. They took everyone back to the music of Ramon Raquello, and then they were interrupted again from that. With a broadcast that says, "...now a strange meteor has fallen to earth, impacting violently on a farm near Grovers Mill, New Jersey." A reporter was on hand to investigate that eerie scene, and the broadcast switched from the music on an occasional basis to a permanent interruption, continuous coverage. To the dismay of the terrified radio audience, the events around the Grover's Mill meteor crater rapidly escalated. It turns out that the meteor was not a meteor. In fact, it was a spaceship out of which a tentacled creature, presumably a Martian, emerged and started blasting the people around with a deadly heat ray. The Martian sunk back into that crater and then came out afterwards inside a gigantic three-legged death machine. He quickly disposed of 7,000 armed soldiers and he was joined by other Martians and they started spraying this toxic gas, this black gas, which if you didn't have masks, It was useless. You were going to die. Many of the listeners panicked. They said there were six, as estimated six million people listening to the radio at that time. And as many as a million panicked. They spiraled into panic. They loaded blankets and supplies in their cars. Other people hid in their cellars hoping the gas would not reach their cellars. One college student drove 45 miles in an attempt to save his girlfriend. The world went into panic. Panic broke out across the country as people jammed the highways to try to escape the aliens. And they called the electric company and said, Turn off the power at our house because we don't want them to see where we are. People begged the police for gas masks. One lady ran into a church and said, It's the end of the world. We're all going to die. By the time the night was over, almost all the people realized that the news broadcast was entirely fictitious. It was simply... ...the weekly broadcast of Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater... ...and it was a highly dramatized, updated version of H.G. Wells' story... ...The War of the Worlds, which coincidentally was on TV last night... ...in an updated version. But it was the heyday of radio. And again, six million people were tuned in to the radio... ...and as many as a million panicked. They panicked for a lot of reasons. Some of them tuned in so late... They didn't hear the announcement that this is, this is just fictitious. And even though it was said four times throughout the broadcast, they missed the announcement. So they thought it was for real and they panicked. And then, because it was the 30s, the tension that was arising over in Europe, people thought it was the Germans. that The Germans had this special... They, they had some conspiracy theory and they were out to get us. And so people panicked. It wasn't the first time people have panicked... In fact, we have been panicking for a long time. It's interesting that a radio broadcast would cause people to panic. A radio broadcast would cause people to worry, be filled with anxiety, to fret, to fear, to lose sleep, taking drastic measures. The sky's falling. It's the end of the world. Troublesome times are here. And it's easy to buy into that. It's easy to get sucked into that. In fact, I don't know if you've ever seen the Holmes and Ray's stress scale. The Holmes and Ray's stress scale is a list of things that we worry about, that we fret about, that we get anxious about. And if you do these too often, they have a list and some of these things are weighted because some things can cause more stress than others. If if you do too many of these things in one year, it's going to affect your health. And yet we stress and we fret and we get bent out of shape and we panic and we lose sleep and we take drastic measures over just about everything. So if you read the Holmes and Ray's stress scale, we worry about finances and retirement and money and saving for college and job and job change and... Getting fired and laid off and marriage and relationships and divorce and separation and pregnancy and major illness and in-laws and changing residence and changing jobs and changing social activities and breaking the law. We stress over those and those things are going to happen, but how you respond to those things will determine your health. In fact, I went on the internet and I found a list of the 20 things that people worry about the most, the 20 things that we fret about the most, the 20 things that we get the most anxious about, according to one survey. Crime levels, our pet's health, meeting work goals, being a good parent, raising kids right, a disagreement with a friend or a family member, finding the right partner, does my partner still love me? Whether or not we're attractive, finding a new job, feeling unhappy, paying the rent, paying mortgage, our physique, wrinkles, aging, job security, financial debt, credit card debt, our diet and what we eat, saving money and saving for the future, getting old. That's just according to one survey. In fact, we haven't even mentioned the anxiety that comes with ridicule and rejection, the anxiety that comes with loneliness and thinking about failure and ...and thinking about death. And then there are the scare tactics. Then there are the conspiracy theories. The world is coming to an end and we start worrying about... ...we start being anxious about losing our freedom... ...and the unknown and safety on the internet and identity theft... ...and gang violence and school shootings and tornadoes and earthquakes... And floods and hurricanes and power outages. And depending on what TV show you watch, the sky is falling and the world is coming to an end. And we start listening to those voices and we start being sucked into that. And it affects our lifestyle because that's the only voice that we listen to is the scare tactics. In fact, I like the line from the movie, The American President... This is a quote by President Andrew Shepard, who's played by Michael Douglas. He's running for re-election, and Bob Rumson is the only one that people hear. He says, at, towards the end of the movie, I've known Bob Rumson for years, and I've been operating under the assumption the reason Bob devotes so much time and energy to shouting at the rain was that he simply didn't get it. Well, I was wrong. Bob's problem isn't that he doesn't get it. Bob's problem is he can't sell it. We have serious problems to solve and we need serious people to solve them. And whatever your particular problem is, I promise you, Bob Rubson not the least bit interested in solving it. He's interested in two things and two things only. Making you afraid of it and telling you who's to blame for it. That, ladies and gentlemen, is how you win elections. And depending on what voice you listen to, people are going to make you afraid of it. I mean, look at all the recent stuff going on in just the last six months. I mean, you got churches that are burned down. You've got race issues. You've got hate issues. You've got bigotry issues. You've got the Supreme Court making decisions. You, you've got people in a panic over these gun laws and open carry. And we've got some people that trust more in their guns than they do in the Lord. And there's so much unrest in our nation. And if you're not careful, you're going to start thinking the sky is falling. And what am I going to do? And you're going to go out and buy pallets and pallets of water. And you're going to be so scared that you don't even know how to live. In fact, in that same movie, I I like the quote by Louis Rothschild, who's played by Michael J. Fox. He says, Mr. President, people want leadership. And in the absence of genuine leadership, they'll listen to anyone who steps up to the microphone. They want leadership, so they're thirsty for it. They're so thirsty for it, they'll crawl through the desert toward a mirage, and when they discover there's no water, they'll drink the sand. They'll listen to anyone who steps up to the microphone. And if you're listening to people on the microphone, the TV shows, if you're listening to people on the radio, if you're not careful, the only voice you're listening to is a voice of panic. And we start buying into that, thinking, well, I have every right to panic. I have every right to be anxious. I have every right to get bent out of shape. So here's what I want to do today. I I want to give the microphone to God. Because I want you to hear what God has to say about the sky is falling. And the Supreme Court's making these decisions. And if they take my gun, what does... God have to say about these things. So we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. And in Philippians 4, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. In the midst of all the turmoil in our world, Paul says, hey, listen, I just rejoice. Rejoice. Nice. Nice, Paul. I, that, that's so encouraging. In the midst of fear, in the midst of stress, in the midst of anxiety, in the midst of health issues, you, you want me to Rejoice? In fact, he goes on and says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. A statement that ought to be comforting to us makes us panic. The Lord is near. The Lord is coming. Oh, I'm not ready. I'm not, do, the Lord is near. I mean, that's a statement that's supposed to be reassuring. And it causes us to panic. The Lord is near. So he wants us to be comforted about that. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Anything which is spelled wrong. But I'm not going to be anxious about that. (laughs) I would blame that on somebody, but he's standing right here. (laughs) Do not be anxious about anything. Just so you know, that word anything in the Greek means nothing. Zero. Zilch. Don't get upset over anything. Don't get bent out of shape over anything. Don't worry. Don't stress. Don't fret about zero. Zero. Nada. Zilch. Nothing. Hmm. Don't be anxious about anything. Now, just in case you're wondering, that's not the first time we've... We've seen that. If you're a Bible reader, if you've never been in the Bible, just go about six chapters in to the New Testament. It's called the book of Matthew. And Jesus, in possibly the first sermon He delivered, told us not to be anxious about anything. He says in Matthew 6, don't worry about your life. What you'll eat or drink or about your body, what you'll wear. Why do you worry about clothes? Do not worry. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Don't worry about tomorrow. So just... Just in case you're wondering, you know, Neil made a comment that we try to treat all sins the same. When you worry, you sin. And when you sin, you're just like everybody else. When Jesus says, don't worry, and you worry, you're being disobedient to Jesus. And he's very clear, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Hmm. So it's not the first time we've heard that. So when Paul says, don't be anxious, don't worry, don't fret, don't get bent out of shape, that's nothing new. In fact, you might even be thinking, if, you're, if you've never read Paul before, well, what, what right does Paul have to tell me this? Don't worry. I mean, who's this Paul guy? I mean, he's an apostle. I mean, he and Jesus are tied. He and God are tied. What, what's he going to tell us about rejoicing and not being anxious? In fact, let me tell you a little bit about Paul, just in case you're wondering. This short chapter, these four chapters in the book of Philippians, he uses that word joy or rejoice, a root form of that, 19 times. Four chapters, about five times per per chapter, he says rejoice. And you're thinking rejoice. And just in case you haven't ever heard this before, he wrote the Philippian letter. It's called one of the prison epistles. All that means is he wrote this when he was in prison he was incarcerated he was in jail he was shackled to a guard or guards 24 7 so when he says don't be anxious he's been there before in fact if you read in second corinthians chapter 11 he says i've been in prison more frequently flogged more severely exposed to death i've received lashes i've been beaten stoned shipwrecked I've been out in the open sea, constantly on the move, constantly in danger. I've known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. So when somebody like that says, hey, listen, don't be anxious about anything. I'm listening. Because how do you do that? How do you go through that and not be anxious about it? The sky's falling. Really? His sky fell a lot. It's the end of the world. Really? He's in jail. He doesn't know if he's going to live or die. I mean, for all we know, Paul's got a week or a day or hours left. And he said, listen, on my way out, I just want you to know, just calm down. Relax. Don't be anxious about anything. So Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't consume your thoughts. With the end of the world, don't consume your thoughts. With the conspiracy theorists, don't consume your thoughts. Don't get preoccupied. Don't get bent out of shape. In essence, he's saying don't spend all your energy. Don't waste your energy on worry and stress. I think I've told you before about our daughter, Sydney. Sydney ran track and cross country in high school and college. And Sydney could worry, get bent out of shape spend all of her energy, wasting her energy. In fact, she would arrive at a track meet or cross-country meet, and Kelly and I would be on the way, and she'd call us and she'd tell us what bus was there, what school was there, who her competition was, to the point that she was so spent before the race even started. Until finally her coach, Richard Burks, many of you all know Richard Burks, an awesome coach at Sydney, stop wasting your energy. Spending all of your energy before the race even starts. Trust in your training. Trust in what you've been doing. That's what Paul's saying here. Don't be anxious about anything. Stop wasting your energy worrying about the end of the world and the skies falling and whether they're going to take your gun away. Don't be anxious about those things. Interesting terminology here. Again, with all of the changes going on in our world, all of those things are real. All of those things should get our attention. But Paul says, don't burn up all of your energy on worry, stress, getting bent out of shape. So what does Paul tell us to do? What are we supposed to do as Christians instead of worrying? He says, well... Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Instead, you've got choices. You can worry or you can pray. You can get bent out of shape. Or as Peter says, you can cast all your anxieties on God and say, God, I don't want these. You can have these. You've got a choice. But if you worry and fret and get anxious and burn all your energy that way, you're not spending any time trusting in God. Cast all your anxieties on God, is what he says. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Even Paul says, you know, it doesn't even make sense to me. I can't even explain it. But I'm telling you, when you cast your anxieties to God, when you give your anxieties to God, when you get so bent out of shape that you say, Lord, listen, this one's yours. Paul says, I can't explain it. But the peace of God will enter your life. I like, um, let me give you some other words. Tranquility, stillness, serenity, calmness, quietness. Isn't that interesting? I like the way the message says this. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praise shape your worries into prayers. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. That's so powerful there. And he says, let me go back here. Um, The peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's a military term. It was used of prisoners guarding, I mean, of guards guarding the prisoners. And he says, why don't you station God so that he can guard your heart and your minds and protect you from these things? So he tells us several things. He says, you know, you need to pray and you need to. Present your request to God and you need to let God guard your heart. And if you keep reading in Philippians 4 at the first, he says you should stand firm. You should stay focused. You should stay focused on God. In fact, when Peter was focused, when Peter was fixated, he walked on water. When Peter started fretting and worrying about the storm around him, he began to sink. And some of y'all are sinking because you're so bent out of shape and you're so worried and you're so stressed. It just consumes your thoughts. In fact, Paul's not done. In fact, he goes on and says, you know, really this is a mind issue. He goes on to say, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. Think about that stuff. And you can go watch bad reports today. Ricky prayed about all the evil in the world and those things are real. That evil is real. But don't become so fixated. Don't become so bent out of shape that you forget to think about these things. In fact, replace those things with these things. I like that word, admirable. Whatever is admirable, whatever is of good report, whatever is well spoken of, whatever is commendable, whatever is reputable, whatever is laudable, stop filling your minds with bad reports. Stop filling your minds with bad stuff. Stop filling your minds with bad things. Fill your mind with this stuff. So that you don't get bent out of shape. So you don't fret and you worry. The idea is of focusing our thoughts until they shape our behavior. Focusing our thoughts till they shape our behavior. You are what you think. What we think we become. What we think is what we do. That's how we respond. Paul says, you know what? If you want to focus on the stuff of this world, the evils of this world, the sky's falling. It's the end of the world. What am I going to do about money? And what about my next job? And what about, what about, what about, what about? You're going to waste all of your energy and you're going to spend all of your energy on that. And if that's how you want to live, you're going to spend a lot of time at the doctor. Because you're going to get stressed. And if you know about stress, it's going to affect your health. And if you know about your health, it's going to affect your stomach. And I don't have to tell you how many pills are sold each year because of stomach issues, because of stress. Which is really kind of interesting because it it really just boils down to trust. Trust. Paul's talking about a mindset here, a mind focused on Christ, a mind focused on the things of God, a mind focused on things of good report. You know what worry is? Worry is wrong thinking. Worry is wrong thinking. So Paul says, you're thinking the wrong things. So he tells us, why don't you think about these things? Again, he's in jail. He's incarcerated. He may die tomorrow. Tomorrow. And he could be so fixated on that, but he says, you know what? It's a whole lot more peaceful. Be still and know that I am God. I like Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. That word all, Marvin Phillips used to say, here's how you spell it, it's all. There's like 15 L's in all. Trust the Lord with all your heart and in all your ways. You know, when the sky is falling, really all you have to decide is, am I going to trust God? It's the end of the world. Are you going to trust God? Well, I've got some major health issues coming up. Are you going to trust God? Don't be anxious about anything. Well, what if they change the gun control? Trust in the Lord. Well, what if the Supreme Court takes away? Trust in the Lord. Well, what if... Don't be anxious about anything. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let God renew your mind. Let God change the channels of your mind. Let God change the direction of your mind. Stop consuming your thoughts to the point that you can't operate correctly with these bad thoughts. That radio show, The War of the Worlds. There is a war going on, and it's a war in our minds. So our scripture reading today, Paul says, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought. Everything that comes in from the TV, everything that comes in from the movies, everything that comes in from the newspaper, everything you hear at work, we take captive and say, no, no. You know, Paul says worry is an inside job, so don't let worry on the inside. Take captive those thoughts and say, you know what? I'm not going to live that way. I'm not going to be anxious. In fact, instead of being anxious in the midst of all the turmoil, in the midst of all the stuff going on in the world, in the midst of all the stuff that you think, I've got every right to be upset, I'm just going to give that to God, and I'm going to let the peace of God control how I live. You know, there are people in the world who just make me nauseous. When you're wanting to be negative, they're all positive. When you want to be down on everything, they're... Up on everything i 've got friends that i don 't know that they 've ever entertained a bad thought in their lives, or they 've taken captive every evil bad anxious thought, and they 're like i 'm good, me and God are good we 're tight, and the peace of God, even Paul the apostle said i, I can 't explain it so i 'm not going to try to explain it, but when you cast your anxieties on the God on God, he some I can't explain it. He says, the fact that you're going to give those to me and trust me with those, I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to give you peace. Fill your minds. Fix your minds. Guard your minds with things of good report. So, can I give you a good report? Can I give you something that is admirable, admirable? Something that is worth talking about today? Fill your mind with the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And He's still on the throne. And He's going to be on the throne. And God is in control. God is in control so much that in the midst of the turmoil of the world, that the world didn't know what was going to happen, God says, I'm going to send My Son. In the midst of that turmoil, the end of the world is near. And I'm going to send My Son. And they're going to abuse Him. And it's going to be troublesome times. And people are going to be filled with fear. But I'm going to send My Son to die on the cross. For the entire world. For the entire world. For the good folks and the bad folks. For all the sinful folks. For all folks. I'm going to send my son to die on the cross. And that's good news. And that's worth talking about. And that's something of good report. Jesus said, I'm going to take your place on the cross. I'm going to pay your sin debt. My death and my blood are going to make you right with God. You can stand right with God. And that's good news. And you need to put your trust in that. Because I don't know what our government's going to do. And I don't know what's going to happen to this world. And I don't know what's going to happen in schools. And I don't know what's going to happen. You've seen that quote before. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. I don't know what the future holds. But I trust in a God who is in control of the future. So I'm working on not being anxious. Not fretting. Not getting bent out of shape. Not getting so upset. Do not be anxious about anything. So will you trust in God today? Will you put your trust in God today? The world may end tomorrow. And that's okay. Put your trust in God. The Supreme Court may make some decision next week that you don't like. And that's okay. We still are called to trust in God. Will you put your trust in God today, in the midst of troublesome times, that hey, you're thinking, "I really don't know what to do"? Put your trust in God. Repent of your sins. Confess your sins. Confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, and put your trust in the God who's in control and not the gods of this world. If you need to respond to the invitation, please do so as we stand and sing. When we walk.